Girls, welcome once again to the Brain Candy Podcast. Hi. Hi, Suze. <laughs> Susie here. Guess what we're not going to do today? What? Cry, probably. Right. last time yeah. we did an episode, I bawled my eyes out about Moana. <laughs> That's the thing. It wasn't even just like a little shedding of a tear. It was full-on ugly cry. And how about this? I listened to the episode <laughs> the other night. Yeah. And I cried listening to myself cry. You didn't. It was like, what's that movie? Inception? <laughs> it was in- Inception Moana crying. <laughs> what is it that makes you cry? And please don't. Well, I won't. But then we went and talked about it in in class. The movie? Yes. And we, we got into this huge discussion about why it's fantastic. Did and you cry? No. A little, a little bit. bit. <laughs> I just got emotional because somebody else was talking. It wasn't me giving the speech about how great it was. There was one guy in our uh, program who hadn't seen it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, it's so good. I watched it like six times. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to probably go home and maybe watch it once. <laughs> that was real funny. Yeah. So I mean, shout you, out to Grant for being funny in my cohort. You really struck a nerve. I mean, people were also crying at the episode, apparently. Well, we're going to make this one a little more lighthearted today. <laughs> right. right. No more crying. Today, I asked Sarah if it would be okay if we revisit the real world, because mm-hmm. even though we've had a lot of episodes about reality TV and the challenge and things like that, I feel like we've never properly talked about the real world yeah. by itself and sort of its origin story, its history, how it's changed, how you feel about it now. And so she is allowing it to happen. I'm, I'll allow it. Because... <laughs> We, we haven't really done that. Right. We haven't at all. I don't... Because I, I think the fear on your end is we don't want to be redundant. Correct. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I think we're not talking about necessarily our experience on the real world. We're talking about the history of. Yeah. And we have a very special guest that's joining right. us at the end of the episode. Yeah. That's kind of what inspired me is I interviewed Judd Winnick, who was on The Real World San Francisco. And in my mind at that... When I interviewed him, I was thinking of it for 15 Minutes of Blame, which is our patreon.com slash brain candy um, podcast, all about the real world reality TV and the challenge, and it just lives there. But once I got to talk to him, his experience is so unique that I thought, you know what, this deserves more attention. So with that in mind, I think we should have a little wine. Oh, yeah. Love that. (laughs) And I've already poured it. But uh, basically, this is Wink.com's wine, and they have a personalized service that allows you to sort of take a little quiz, find out what wines would be perfect for your taste. Mm. And let's cheers. Cheers. Oh. And um, they offered a deal to our listeners. You get $22 off. You get four bottles for 30 bucks, which is a great deal. Four bottles for and $30? They're, they're really high quality. Oh, dang. Yeah. So if you go to wink.com slash brain candy, you can get that deal. $22 off your first order. And uh, they'll pay for the shipping as well. So that's pretty awesome. Nice. Um, yeah. So cheers to that. And yeah, that'll I, get I us through the episode. I is like we're talking about the real world this can get a little heavy yeah we don't want it to be heavy we no. want it to be light and fun so wink.com slash brain candy is helping us with that and you get a deal as well here's where i want to start yeah 
I, and Judd actually talks about this as well in the interview later. The origin of the real world. Are you familiar? Uh, here's what I know. Yeah, tell me what about I the know, mythology. Yes. Yeah. Or the word on the street, because I'm right. sure you know the real history. But what I've kind of picked up over the years is that it originally started as a scripted show that then they kind of threw out the script for. Maybe they didn't have the funding for or something. Mm-hmm. And they just filmed real people and gave them no script. <laughs> So what happened there? What was well, the deciding moment where they were like, oh, this isn't going to work, or maybe this will work? Well, so Mary Ellis Bunham and John Murray, Mary Ellis is deceased, but John is still in, in control at Bunham Murray, which is the company that makes the real world and the challenge and used to make road rolls. And now Did they, they make Jersey Shore? N- no. No. Did I they? don't think so. Who did the Jersey Shore? That's a special... I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. They do the Kardashians. They do Kardashians. Project Runway. Oh. They have a lot of big hits um, now. But back then, it was just these two people, right. Mary Ellis and John, and she used to make soap operas. And he was a oh. news guy, documentary guy. And so when you think about it, Soap opera and documentary equals (laughs) the real world. But they did. They intended for the show to be scripted. And they wanted to make like a Beverly Hills 90210 style show for MTV. But it would be, I think they wanted it to be every day or something. And there was just no budget, as we know. Yeah, (laughs) funny. (laughs) Not much has changed. (laughs) And so they first they got rid of the writers. And they were going to have actors still do it, but like improv. Oh, yeah. And then they couldn't afford the actors, so they got rid of them. And so like, income. Who will do it for nothing but will give us amazing television? I know, 18 year olds. 18 year old narcissists. Yes. <laughs> right. So they, back then, so that first season, and a lot of our listeners are probably way too young to have seen it, but maybe in reruns or something. I mean, those people were really just guinea pigs. Yeah. They didn't know what the devil they were in for. It seems so natural when you watch. Have you watched yeah. some of the first ones? Oh, what do you my think? God. I watched it at the time, Sarah. I oh, was sorry. probably, let's see, it was 92. I was 13. Oh, you were right in the... I was yeah. so into this show. Wow. I was like, what is this? And I think a lot of viewers were like, what is this? Yeah. It was totally new. And I think for a lot of our listeners that just grew up, you know, later, you know, were born later, they have always had reality TV. So it's not this revolutionary idea. At the time, it was, you thought you were watching something you weren't supposed to be watching. It was like being a fly on the wall. And imagine how you'd be attached to that if you were one of the people who, like you, who got excited about it when it was first on the scene. No wonder you're still you're still so nostalgic for reality television mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You still really like that. Well, I like the ones that are real. Yeah, yeah. the real stuff. It That's why we talked then. about you liked uh, Rescue 911 and Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries. Right. It's like all mm-hmm. reality and show. Yeah, it was cops, real world. And then, like, America's Funniest Home Videos. So yeah. that was, like, reality in a sense. Oh, I hated America's Funniest Home Videos. Back then, you mean? All the time. <laughs> or forever. Why? It gives me a physical... I have a physical reaction when I see somebody else get hurt. 
Oh, for Pete's sake. You know that feeling? Don't you have that when somebody falls off of a ladder or something and you like go, (gasps) like, oh God, it hurts me. I can't watch it. It's too painful. So Wait a minute. For real. (laughs) You can't watch AFE because (laughs) (laughs) because it's too painful. Yes. Same with the skateboard falling videos, like some of those. I can... Wow. People getting hurt, like, I, I am uncomfortable. I feel... Empathy. It. Yeah, it's like physical though. That's insane. And it almost feels like an electrocution on the inside. It's a weird feeling. It's like a like all your nerves just go. Oh, that sounds awful. No, it's terrible. Don't so I don't watch that. Well, a lot of us also did. when children fall. Like I see a child fall down or something, or like somebody get hurt in real life or trip, and I go <laughs> and I make that noise. Oh my god! <laughs> Lord help my children. All right, back to the <laughs> subject at hand. Uh, that's so funny. Well, I mean. AFV, when it first came out, that was another show where you're like, this is a totally new idea. Yeah. I mean, there had been Candid Camera and little things like that, but nothing that felt like this video was not something people were supposed to see. This was someone's private video. They didn't expect to be on national TV. Yeah, that is why we like it, because it does feel like we're getting a peek into... Oh, that's the whole thing. It's It's voyeuristic. Yeah. So that's what the real world felt like. And I... It used to be on on Saturdays, and I would just wait for it. And I felt like they were so cool, and they were so much older than me, so I thought they were just like the coolest people on earth. Julie the Virgin. Remember her? You don't remember her. Julie the Virgin. Not from... Not 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 the Mormon. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. The original. Mormon. She was on the first one. Original. The first one was in Los Angeles? No, it was in New York. New York. And they lived in a loft, like an apartment. Then Los Angeles, then San San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. And so what Judd and I explored... Oh, that's right. New York. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first thing. And they were like... they cast people that were trying to start their careers. That's what young people used to do in their early 20s. They used to start their <laughs> career. <laughs> right? People were trying to get Instagram famous. Oh, back in the good old days. Like, Julie was a, a dancer. She was a ballet, you know, classical dancer. And wow. They had an actor. They had Kevin Powell, who was a writer, musician. There was there were artsy yeah. people. That's great. Man, it was such a good show. And then Los Angeles was even better. I'm just fangirling what, yeah, right now. Yeah, what happened in the Los Angeles season? Can you remember? That like was the... the one where Tammy Roman, who's now on... Oh my God, you are like a walking encyclopedia <laughs> of anything. I love it. I'm so glad I'm friends with you. Thanks. Keep talking. <laughs> Tammy Roman, who's now on, I think it's Basketball, Love and Basketball, or, oh, or maybe yeah. it's one of the Housewives. Or she's Basketball on, Wives? Maybe, because she's married. Love and Basketball is yeah. one, too. There's a lot. Well, she's on one or several of these shows still, but it, that back then she was the one who the comedian Kevin pulled the blanket off her, and she was saying no, no, no. Uh huh. I remember that. And then they equated it to like rape because she was saying nobody did it anyway, even though she was laughing when she said no. So he claims that he uh. thought it was a joke. Then she had nothing, just her bra and panties on under <sighs> it. And I remember Tammy going, "It wasn't not." funny (laughs) (laughs) they kept replaying it because you know they'd do the black and white right you know whatever and they kicked him out of the house for it but it was a man that's what they were kicking people out of the house for back in the day because all the women got together and said they did not feel safe 
because he didn't listen when she said no. Well, I really wish some of the women would have band together in about every single recent challenge house I've been in, because guess what? It would be an all-female cast in a couple weeks. Tell me more about that. I really think there's a... And you felt it, I'm sure, on the ruins. There's definitely an atmosphere, like kind of a fraternity atmosphere. And there's very much, I would say even, I wouldn't even go so far as to say fraternity. I think it's more elementary school playground where the boys pull little girls' pigtails and no means yes. And they're fine with that. And it's like. Ugh. They take like you know your bathing suit top like yep, onto your happens. top. That always happens. Yeah, and I you know not to get off topic because I really did want to stay on the real world. But when we were watching that video, that was um, the Jenga game that Johnny and Carmaria played. Yeah. Every time Johnny would do uh, take a Jenga out and put it on top, then he would go whoa and smack Carmaria on the ass. And I and oh, she would laugh, and I God. thought that I remember that. That's how even uh-huh. my you know friends like That's Kenny. It. I love Kenny, but yeah. he does stuff like that. Evan, all these guys, they just you're just an object to their humor yeah. or their entertainment. Hundred percent. And so he would. Do you remember him doing? Did you even notice him doing no, that? I totally didn't. Woo! And then he. But smack I, absolutely, him. I I know that to be something he would do. And I just was like, well, first of all, my first thought was how he tries to mimic and parrot Evan and Kenny all the time. And he's just like trying to be them. Yeah. But then my second thing was like, why is she letting him do that? And Mm. I'm like, oh, I've done that. I've let guys do stuff like that to me in the houses because if you say something, you're the party pooper. Mm -hmm. But... In this case, in the Los Angeles season, all the women were like, hell no. I love that. She said no. Doesn't matter if she was laughing or if she seemed like it was funny. She said no, and then she had no clothes on underneath. Why have we moved so far backwards? This is what I want to know. That's, but that seems crazy to me because you'd think that 20 years later, right, we would have made progress in this category. It's almost like... Because we made so much progress that people don't feel like we need to fight for anything anymore. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Or that- well, now, you know what? Not now. Now I think maybe with the current political climate, things are changing because I'm definitely I don't much know. faster to say. You are. Oh, but- no. Oh, you're right. But I'm not on the show anymore. Uh-huh. And I don't know. So at that time, at least, it was a big, it was such a huge scandal that he took this blanket off and she had what was equivalent to like a bathing suit on underneath. Yeah. Oh, I have to and John Brennan was on there and he's the guy that was the virgin cowboy. Remember him? Yes. And he is was so sweet and he be, was 18 at the time. And God, he befriended... I can't believe 18 year olds are like... Right, that's how old I, I was just... when I did mine. Do they not cat? They only do twenty one and over now. No, they did eight. It's eighteen to twenty four. Are you sure? I'm positive because Devin on my season. Well, I mean, I don't know if things have changed since my season, but Devin was under twenty one on okay. my season, and yeah. I know the. Well, you know. I mean, to me that seems too young, but 
if especially if the idea is that you want people who are like go about to go out and get careers. Oh my gosh! Just think. I mean, I was an idiot when I. I wasn't even like I was an idiot when I was eighteen. I was so naive and so susceptible to the influence of others. Well, you don't and, know who ooh. you are. Usually. Yeah, you know no identity, and that the real world is not a place you're going to create one, I think. Well, that's what I find interesting, is that... So, I'd love to have somebody on the show sometime that does casting for the, the shows, because... Do you, do you know, I'm sure you do, that they have... When they're casting people for these shows, they have what they call a casting Bible. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen I, yours? I've not seen it, no. Have you seen yours? My castmate, Christina, saw ours. Wow. She was working for Bina Marie later at, in casting, and she found it and read through it. <gasps> and they make predictions about... Oh, what, my God. What is it? Well, it was um, predicting who would get along, who would fight, why. They thought that Christina and I would hate each other and that she and Piggy would love each other. That didn't happen. That was the opposite of what yeah. happened. But they try to create the story before it happens but by casting certain people and putting a puzzle together of like who's gonna fit that's where i feel like it almost treads on like an ethical why because it's creating a situation in which you're in control the production is in control of the person's dignity and it's all in their hands Mm -hmm. and even if you and the script is written you know and even if you they can't make you do it. Right. But they're going to try. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, um, I feel it's like it's almost like the equivalent of putting up those bumpers when you are bowling, you know, that direct the ball right towards the pins. You know, yeah. if the bumpers weren't there, maybe, you know. That's a good analogy. And it just feels like it, they're not the ones making you get a strike, but they sure are helping, you know. Yeah. Kind of guiding you exactly where they want you to go. And you're, oh, I just, looking back, thinking the way things were worded, and it just seems like manipulation. At least when it was, when we were at season 21, which is when Mom yeah. and I was on. Yeah, wow. By that time, they were looking for stories. I, your was season 21? yes. So imagine what they're on now. And I was 10 years ago. Oh, my God. Okay. So here's what I want to know. Well, first of all, what I want you to do before we go any further is for you to check out framebridge.com. Yes. Because where we can frame our beautiful photos from back in the day in the challenges yeah, in Yeah, take world. those memories. Like we're walking down memory lane right now. You take them. And you, instead of going to a custom frame shop that charges a million dollars and doesn't do a great job, you can take them online and you can either send them in or upload them right from Instagram or from your computer, your phone. And starting at 39 bucks, you can get custom framing that they can design different options for you, for you to choose from. And it's super easy and you can get 15% off your first order plus free shipping when you use our code BRAINCANDY. It's a really great deal. I've done it. I got my doctorate framed. I got a picture of me and you framed. Oh, oh the silver one. That's yeah, gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Beautiful that was one frame. of the choices that the designers picked, and I was like, hell yeah, that looks great. So go to framebridge.com and check out their curated collection. Upload your art and mail it in for free, and you can preview it. Use code BRAINCANDY at checkout for 15% off plus free shipping. 
Um, but what I want to know about things, and this would be a question for John Murray, really. Mm-hmm. Back when the show started, The Real World Began, I feel that they, even though they wanted to make an entertaining program that was like pushing boundaries and like appealing to young people, I believe that the agenda included making cultural change. Yeah. So they cast gay people. Yes. They cast people that had never seen much airtime. They cast Pedro Zamora, mm-hmm. who was HIV positive. That was the first person on national television in that mm-hmm. position. And somewhere along the way, I feel, but I could be just aging and I'm missing it, but I feel that agenda changed. I do too. Tell me what your sense is. Hmm. I... I remember our season and discussing it with some of the producers, how ours was almost an experiment. They You had, mean your season? Yeah. Okay. They did two they had plans to do two seasons before I guess MTV buys Real World in blocks. Yeah. So they had two chances to show MTV with two very different seasons and very different uh, I guess like intentions behind the season. Okay. Uh, which one would make more money? So they did our season mm-hmm. where they took a Mormon, a sexual abuse survivor, uh, a girl who grew up in a hippie commune who never had a microwave, a Vietnam or not Vietnam, uh, uh, Afghanistan war vet or Iraq war vet. Uh, the first transgendered girl on television. And instead of giving us all one job, we were all working to fight for a cause. And they told us that our season was going to be different and you guys are going to be following your passions and we're going to be videotaping you. Like, whatever you're passionate about, we want to back you up. And we, our big project, we all came together to do one job and it was to do the launch of the Pedro documentary and so we raised like awareness for hiv yes we did the we all volunteered at the um aids race like the the bike race we went all the way to gettysburg and volunteered all along the way for the aids race race for the cure i think it's called and um then you know so we were really you know the whole time my job the whole time i worked at the lgbt center in new york city and ran a art therapy program for LGBT youth and adult, like elderly individuals. And I had a woman there who was legally blind and her painting that she did ended up getting auctioned off and bought by a LGBT museum in New York. So it was like super awesome and wonderful. And our season was amazing and really filled with these moments. We were nominated for a GLAAD award. Then the season came after ours was Cancun and they did the complete opposite. They gave him a big house on the beach. They let him party. They gave him no real job. It was all about like the party side of it. And guess who got more views? By a long shot? I think so. The demographic with ours was much older. Mm-hmm. People who liked our season liked the originals. But that was not who MTV was looking to capture. They wanted, it was right when the Jersey Shore came out. So our season lined up with like maybe the second season of Jersey Shore and maybe, maybe third or something. And MTV was like, oh, 
that's the seems like the formula that's working. Cancun seemed like it was really popular. Let's go with that direction. And I didn't see it change ever since then. I didn't see it go back to being about. Well, I do remember their DC season. They was when oh that what you they know what? tried to. I bet yes, you're right. But you're I think right. that was a. Um, a failure as well, wasn't yeah. it? Didn't it get bad ratings? Mm-hmm. I mean, people I, loved the the Cancun <clears throat> party, St. Thomas. You know, okay, and I get that. And if that's sort of what the market demands, that makes sense. But here's what confuses me: that there seems to be a desire by the viewers for good storytelling, and you can see that with the success of things like Serial. Making a Murder, You're totally right. S-Town, um, you know, the shows that get uh, on Netflix or HBO that do really well, they tend to be about really good storytelling mm-hmm. and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Well, is it just that that's not the MTV audience? Yeah, I okay. think that's a niche market. Oh. And um, I was just listening to Chelsea Handler talk on Howard Stern. Just yeah. yesterday about this. What she said, and she said it was along those lines about how she left E because they wanted to make something that w- was mass marketed yeah. and like low hanging fruit. Yeah, low, and it got a lot of you know that she said she hated being before and after the Kardashians. Yeah, and that was what they were looking for was another Kardashian kind of you know and. There for the exact same thing we're saying. There weren't those stories. It wasn't even funny. It was she wasn't able to do all the stuff she wanted to do or have the freedom to do that. But when she left and went to Netflix, yeah, the audience dropped. Like the but it's you know you get people who love that show or love your work. I because I don't I don't feel like they're mutually exclusive because if we I look wish. back at the seasons that were on early in the show's history, they still had hookups and, you know, drama and fights and, and everyone likes that too. I watched those things too and enjoy Mm. drama unfolding, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it can still be about things that matter. Like, uh, and I do think they try, like they talked about black lives matter on a recent season Mm -hmm. and I don't know. I think part of it is just that I'm getting, I get older and the show stays the same age. Maybe you're right. You know, Maybe that's it, and it's just not... Like, whatever seasons you watched are the ones you think were good. Yeah. Kind of thing. I always feel like uh, there is somewhat of, like, a senioritis that happens to people when they were on the show. How you kind of have this, um, I don't know, you've, like, romanticized or, like, fantasized your season being the good one. Like, mm. I see that with a lot of people. My, I, see, I, I even do it. Oh, we were nominated for Gladwin. Da, 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 da. Like ours, where they think theirs is, all the other ones are trash and theirs is the really good one. Yeah. I mean, I hear that from every single new season that comes on, challenge after challenge. It's all about like, oh, our ratings are so good and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't even matter if it was good or bad. They'll always have something to say about. Wow. Yeah. They're, okay. they're new they're like, they get just the same as the graduating class. Like, you know, the seniors graduate and then they look at like the next senior class and they're like, oh, they're not as cool as us. We had the better senior prank. We had better homecoming. We had a better prom. Like, well, here's my opinion though, 
This yeah. is my theory of what changed because I do think there was a shift. And part of it, I'm sure, is in uh, response to market demand. Mm-hmm. But part of it, I believe, is that once they created the challenge and that show was established as not as being, here's what it is. It's you know in the house and there's teams and you're fighting for money. Then when they're casting Real World and Back Then Road Rules, they had to think, like, would this person also mm-hmm. do well Totally. On this other show that is our bread and butter as well. So you are casting for with different goals. I don't think they should do that though. Because I, I would imagine that I wasn't one they thought would be a real challenge vet. Yeah. I think. Right. I think that would have written me off as somebody who wasn't going to be good on there. But like, I would well, agree with you. So... So screw that. <laughs> screw you guys because you don't know who's going to be awesome. Well, that's true. And for me, me too. <laughs> but I, that show didn't exist when I was cast. So oh that God. wasn't, you know, a, a consideration. I remember when the challenge was real world versus road rules and it was so good. Yeah. But Do you remember was when it? Maybe it was where I just don't even remember what it was. They were in the forest and they had to do something on a log where they had to get the whole team from like one side of the log to another. And we did the exact same thing at summer camp. And I was like, oh, I did that. Sarah liked when the I challenge was just about having fun and bonding. I did. And everybody was such a team. Oh, man. Those were the good old days. Um, here's a factoid that I think I told you, but we I want to tell the audience, which is that... When the first season of The Real World was being made, the pilot was created with seven people that that were then were not used in the actual show. Even though the show got picked up, they had recast oh, the whole thing. Got it. And but they one, had a pilot. They had a pilot. Yeah. And I forget they, they call that, they have a name for like what they are, like, you know, season one half or something. Oh, yeah. But one of the people in that pilot became the voice of Daria. <gasps> oh! And is very successful. Yeah, you were saying that. That's awesome. And she is probably so much better off. She should thank her lucky stars. I bet there was a time when she was like, man, I wish I would have gotten picked for that hit show, The Real World. <laughs> right. And then it was like, oh, wait, no, I can be Tracy successful. Grandstaff. Yeah. That's her name. Yeah. And so- Dang. Daria Morgendorfer. Can we go and star and Jane for Halloween? No, we can't. Why? So I good. think we already chose what we're going to be, didn't oh. we? We're going to be Bob Ross and a happy little tree. We have so many because <laughs> I also wanted to be, you can call me Al, Paul oh, yeah. Stone and Chevy Chase from that video. Right. We're going to have to go to several parties. Several. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Um, and then here's what I want to know. Do mm-hmm. you remember anyone from any season of the real world where you do not know where they are now or what they're doing or like you would want to know? Cause there are some that have dropped off the earth. Yeah. Where is that cowboy? He is going to be on 15 minutes of blame. Oh my gosh. Look at how I asked. 
Austin there he, is. But he still lives in Kentucky, and he still sings. He's now a um, worship leader at a church. Still not married, though. So I don't know. I'll have to ask him about his love life. Mm. Because at that time, he was waiting for marriage. So, Oh, my God. Is he a virgin? I don't know. Maybe. He's super sweet, and he Aww. loves WrestleMania. And he, um, yeah, he sings at church. And right now, in fact, he's in Africa. He does uh, mission work with kids. Oh, in wow. Africa. I know That's he's cool. a great dude. Who do I want to? He's too good for that show. Yeah. Um, but I want to know, like, there is this guy from the real world Los Angeles named Aaron. Mm-hmm. And he was so hot. And oh, yeah. oh okay. That he was like a me. surfer. I'm not usually into blondes, but he was just like Dreamboat City. Real world Los Angeles. I think he's like a CEO of Skull Candy oh, now or something. Oh not that I my not God. that I was stalking his LinkedIn. <laughs> that was on his LinkedIn. Oh my gosh. Okay, wait, let me look at the cast yeah. of character list of characters. Hang on. He's such a baby face. I just wanted to smush him. Cast what is his name? Aaron. Aaron something, yeah. Are you sure it's not Eric? No. You yeah, would know that. He's Eric Bond. Nice. No, 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 no. On the Los Angeles one. Well, that's what I put in it. Just oh, it's... <laughs> Sarah's Sarah doesn't even know the seasons. I well, because every time I type that in, it keeps coming up with his picture. It's A A R O N. Oh yes! Oh my God! <laughs> he is a hunk. We would have such cute little blonde oh, babies. Oh my God! You. Mm. I'm sure he's married and... Wow. Let me tell you. He, so you know what he looks like? <laughs> yes, are you? He looks like the brother from Home Improvements. <laughs> John Taylor Thomas. No, the older one. Oh, look the at him. The other one. Yeah, Zachary Ty Bryan. Yes! I know you knew all their <laughs> names. Go figure. How do you feel about Beth? Well, okay. Let's talk about Beth. Yeah. Have you ever done a show with her? Yeah. Oh, my God. Did you? No. Oh. <laughs> Beth was on Gauntlet 2 with me. Um, she's an interesting human being. <sighs> Where do I start? <laughs> so, by the time she was on Gauntlet 2, she was, you know, an OG. Like, yeah. cause she was, was on in 1993, her original show. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so, people were kind of teasing her because... I remember when she she went up against Montana in, like, the Gauntlet... And Timmy called it a truck and tractor pull. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mean, people. Timmy Mac is the funniest person on the planet. He, you know, was referencing the fact that, that, well, first of all, probably that they were two of the bigger. I mean, they're not big in right. in life, right. but like on the show compared yeah. to like Cameron, right? You know, it was like a toy you, yeah. But so, and also that they were a little older, and that they were. It felt like a little weird that they were there. And I remember one time being like, Beth, you look great. What's your secret? And she's like, Botox. And I remember thinking, oh, man, she's old. Meanwhile, I'm like, <laughs> I, I've got that started at like 30. Oh. But, you know, to a 20-something, that's why they make fun of how old I am. To a 20-something, they just think we are ancient. Yeah. Because I thought that yeah. about Mark and Beth. And I'm sure. Now I'm like, oh, wait, oh they were God. young whippersnappers. There are sure a lot of stories from... What do you think about Beth, Miss Quiet as a Mouse over there? I don't trust her. At all. I don't know why. But I you just never have, met her. Never met her, but I wouldn't trust her. She is a little Is she the devil. one who got her clothes thrown in the pool, or did she throw the clothes in the pool? She got them thrown in the pool. 
Uh-huh. And now there's like a Beth rule. There's like some sort of thing in the... Well, you know what? I was thinking about Who that. Who threw them in? I can't remember. Was it Tanya? Tanya. It probably was Tanya. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> See, I didn't want to go down the challenge path because it I becomes it this whole weird world of human beings mixing that should just be kept apart. We should all be in solitary yeah. confinement. <laughs> but Ooh. she has kids now. She's married. We heard the rumor that she was going to be on an upcoming show, which would That's be really, crazy. really something to see. Yeah, I would be excited <clears throat> to see that. Why It'd not? be like, what's that movie where all those old people run amok from the 80s? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Cocoon? Yeah. Cocoon. yeah. <laughs> it would be like me. It should be me, oh, Mark, Beth. It'd be so like funny. Cocoon. Um, but yeah, she hangs out with that you-know-who that I hate. Yeah, I hate, too. We won't under his name, because right. he would like it too much. Yeah, man. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so I find the history of the real world, real world to be so interesting because of the changes that I see. And then after your season, which was, you know, as you said, 21, God. the more recent shows have added all these weird components. Yes. As if, like, just seven people that shouldn't get along in living in a house is not <laughs> enough anymore. We have to... I remember I tweeted whenever they t- announced that the show was going to be Real World Skeletons. I was like, I hope it's just a bunch of bones laying in a house <laughs> for each episode. Just, like, skeletons hanging in there. Like a haunted house. Yeah. Because that Disney would probably skeletons. be better than whatever they're cooking Oh, my up. gosh. And then it just started to get so... I just feel it's convoluted, don't it's you? So, yeah, it's so over the top. It's it is. Did you, know? you watch Go Big or Go Home? No. You just were over it. Over it. <laughs> I have not. It might watched, have been great. You don't I've, know. I haven't watched any since mine. See, you don't even know. I don't. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> you no, don't? you know what? Because I had I met all the people coming off there. It was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, and I just kept hearing from production that. They don't know how long it's going to last because these new kids who come on are care more about their... Mm. Like the social media stuff? Yes. They care more about the fame afterwards than they do being on the show. And you have to be really... I don't know, though. I mean, I think it's an unfair... I think that's unfair because even Judd said by the time he went on, season three... Yeah. He knew exactly how big this show was. Mm. And that he had watched, you know, once you've seen the show, how can you ever not... I guess maybe they're smart for caring about that. I mean, it would be silly to think someone wouldn't be excited about being on national television. That's oh, exciting. Yeah. yeah, of course. Or or being maybe getting more followers or whatever. But I guess the the... The majority of the conversations in the house and the interacting in the house was about life after, not life really? on. So the the people who, the producers I heard said it was very difficult to shoot around that because you can't, can't use any it. of it. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good TV. This speaks to something that Ken Olin, the executive producer of This Is Us, talked about in the interview we did with him, which was he, the real breakout star of that show is named Chrissy Metz, and Mm -hmm. she's a bigger woman, and she came from 
you know, having done very little work in the entertainment industry. And he worries about her because the fame that she now has Mm -hmm. is just enormous. And I'm like, what do you think the difference is for when he was famous, he was on 30 something and became the sex symbol, but there was no social media back then. Mm -hmm. And he said that he notices that people now like Chrissy handle it just fine because they know what to expect. Uh-huh. They see the social media. They know how it works. They're savvy to trending and viral and all of that. And if you didn't grow up with that, then it's a different thing. So I feel, and I'm sorry I'm rambling, but... No, I love when you ramble. The difference between a real world season now and a real world season in 1992 is that the difference between what their real life looks like and what life in the house looks like mm. is far different because they take away the phone. Uh, the social, you you're know? right. Like we're always on our phones. And, and I know now real. they've like allowed them one house phone to like take pictures and do videos and stuff, oh, but it's still controlled by production. They can't post any of it until after that's not how people live right. now. I right. think they should just let everybody continue posting. People would still watch the show. Of course they would. In fact, it's exactly like the Hitmakers where they said spoilers, spoilers make you like it more. It enhances In fact, they enjoyment. should do that. Yes. Oh my God. Suze, why don't they just hire us to consult? For Christ's sake. They're, you know what? I'm saying it right now. Mark my words. Next season or two seasons right. from now, they will do that. And it will be our... Because they listen. Yeah. I think. We will, We have noticed that like everything Ugh. that we try to do, and we even pitch it to them. Like, hey, you guys should get involved in this. And they're like, no thanks. That's we stupid. We pitched it to them. Then they used it the next season. Right. We're like, come on. Yeah. Watch the challenge with... The, with the people on it yeah. is essentially the entire format of what... We might have delusions of grandeur, but it sure seems coincidental that mm-hmm. like four or five things we've pitched and done, they've then done the next year. And then remember we went to that that uh, clip show and we were telling one of the producers, hey, yeah, wasn't it like good ideas, guys? And he... He acknowledged Acknowledged it. that it took right. our ideas. Yeah. But I, so, guys, if you're listening, here's yeah. what you should do: let the people continue with their social media while yeah. they're in the house, getting buzz about it. People will love it. They'll start following them. Maybe They'll that's tweet the problem. About it. Oh is my that the gosh. followers would then influence what they were the, doing? The plot. But you know what? That's rea- That's a whole new thing. Then, if see, this is the problem with television shows and a lot of things when they get stuck in. A format or stuck. If you don't change with the times, if you don't, you know, there's a, there's a reason why things that have been around for a long time are successful because they've kind of like changed and adapted. Maybe and, they think that's what they're grown. doing with like the bloodlines and the go big or go yeah, home. But not really. That's creating a new format, not adjusting your original format to technological te- to, advances. To modernizing the original format is what they need to do. They don't need to rewrite a new one. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, I think we've done enough damage here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's have uh, our interview with Judd. Judd Winnick, who, in addition to being on The Real World San Francisco, also is the creator, author, illustrator of the Hilo um, book series for kids, which he tells why he made that 
um, book series. And if you like the interview with Judd, we interview lots of cast members on our patreon.com slash brain candy. If you would like access to all of those interviews, you can go to um, that and subscribe at whatever level you would like. And um, yeah, we are trying to do more Where Are They Now interviews because people said that's what they want. Is like people they haven't seen in a long time. Great. What are they up to? What do they think about reality TV? So we try to do that on Patreon. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. So enjoy this interview and give uh, Judd some love on social media as well because he's d- delightful. Welcome to the show, Judd Winnick. I would call this person an icon of reality TV, (laughs) but now is so much more. Judd, welcome to the show. What are you doing here where you don't belong on this show? You're too good for us. Well, I'll I'll take issue with the icon (laughs) thing first. I. We we tend to think of like as the as the old people from reality TV. You're a legend. Oh, please, you know we it's it has been 23 years. And when we did the real world, there was only two reality programs on. It was just it was just real world and cops. Right. That was pretty much it. And that was just, you know, uh, you know, guys in there, you know, white tanks standing on the lawn, <laughs> drunk, trying to tell the cops like, no, no, no. Listen, listen, it's all good. It's all good. And it's kind of the same as the real world, if you think A about it. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not much has changed. Well, let me t- let me start at the beginning then. Whenever you know, you were auditioning, I guess, for the show. Did you think it was some big whoop or did you think, oh, this will just be a fun little thing to do? Um, both. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, even back then it was a really, it was an extraordinarily big deal. It was kind of, it was kind of the only game in town if you were going to do something as bizarre as this. Yeah. And we, and we were all fans of the show. It had been on, this was the third season. Uh, New York was like the experiment that did really well and it was interesting. And, um, and everyone, you know, we, we were of that age that we were huge fans of the show. Then L.A. completely exploded because they, you know, they fight all the time. Yes. <laughs> it was very, very popular. So for me, it was at the very least, I thought um, I'll get a chance to be on TV and I'll probably look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> at the very most, I thought, I don't know, I think it'd be, it would it would be good for my job. I thought career wise, more people would hear about me. Yeah. Well, whenever and, you began, did you, was there a moment when you were filming where you thought, OK, I've made a terrible mistake? Oh, um, yeah, lots of times, but like I would most times, right? Right. Uh, Just, but after, well, you know, the drill it's so when we started doing this, you have that initial week or two where, okay, so we're doing this thing. We're living in this house. Okay. We're actually living in the house. Of course we're living in the house, but oh my God, there's five other people constantly following us around with lights and cameras and a guy with a boom mic and we can't talk to them. Okay. We're not going to talk to them. Don't look at the camera. Great. We're not gonna look at the camera. Okay. That, that thing I just said is really, really stupid. I said a stupid thing that's going out there. But after two weeks, you were so 
emotionally and mentally exhausted by trying to overthink everything, you, I'll say 95% give over to it. Yes. You know, th there's, there's that small last percentage where you know, well, I'm not going to say that crap on TV because that's, I'm, I'm, no, that's, and we've seen, and honestly, Pam and I, when we watch that, we don't watch it anymore because it would be just lecherous. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, <laughs> right. we're in our we're in our 40s and watching, you know, kids in their 20s get drunk and, you know, get naked in hot tubs. Right. We don't watch it anymore. <laughs> but the five or six seasons we watched after us, we would constantly yell at the screen knowing like, dude, don't say that about your dad. Right. That's like Thanksgiving for the rest <laughs> of your life right there. That statement, you're never, ever getting past that. Um, <laughs> Did so, you feel like you were a part of history? Because um, you were. Yeah, I mean, okay. At one point, yeah, because, because so, so we're living with Pedro Zamora. So Pedro's my roommate, and um, Pedro is, is 1994, and Pedro is living with AIDS. He's gay. He's out. He's an activist, he's an educator, and he's going to be on TV. Uh, nothing like this had been seen on television before. So, yeah, we were, um, many of us, I mean, me and Pam and Corey and, and Pedro were well aware that this is going to be pretty extraordinary. I would joke with Pedro off camera about all of it, that, you know, you're, you know, it's like, you're going to be friends with Elton John. Um, you're going to be invited to the White House. Right. Um, you know, they're going to give you a talk show if you want a talk show. You know, dumb, dumb, fun things. But part of it was just that sort of celebrating that, you know, there's this dark cloud over what's going on. Is that, you know, Pedro's, you know, he at, at the time it was before combination drug therapy. So um, there was always a feeling that, yeah, he's going to get sick at some point. Yeah. And um, his health is not. Terrific. Actually, when we were living with him, his T cell count, meaning his you know his ability to fight off infection, got worse. So there was always this dark cloud. But let's celebrate how fun this is and how cool it's going to be. And knowing full well, like yeah, buddy, you're going to be one of the most famous people in the world. That's going to be just fucking great. It's just it's so exciting. That uh, is. That's really wild thinking about it now because it was so heavy, but it was really something special. Yeah, I mean, we were we were there. We were together. It was it was, um, you know, the 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 giddy school kid moments of oh my god, we're gonna be on TV. They're gonna be so cool, and everyone's gonna know who you are, and that's really really awesome. That that wasn't seen or experienced really, it, and and specifically because um, well because it, it it didn't really get, he didn't get to experience it not mm -hmm. in a real way, just in a, in a small way. He got sick so quickly after. After we wrapped, after we moved out of the house, um, the show started airing. And for, you know, I can say weeks, about a month or so, you know, we moved out in June and uh, he was hospitalized in August. And he never recovered. Whoa. So honestly, he had a couple of weeks of experience, experiencing the ridiculous nature of what he had, had, begin, had begun to accomplish as the show started to air. I had no idea it was that quick. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that there was a period where he was sort of, you know, and uh, able to enjoy or see what was happening with regard to the show and his own uh, role in it. Um, just yeah, honestly, just a bit, just a bit. I mean, it was it was it was fun when 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 we wrapped. He uh, um, stayed in San Francisco with Sean, uh, and you know that was bananas. As soon as the show started to air, 
they could not walk the streets and it was fun. <laughs> it was like a lot of fun that was the fun part that was yeah. you know it was never it never got to any point where it was at all tiresome for either of them they were they're fun they're being celebrated you know he was the mayor of castor street we used to joke <laughs> about it you know he and sean um but then, then honestly it was like it was a matter of weeks after that until he got sick what is it like for you that um, so much of your life and your identity now as just a human being in the world is originated in that experience because you married your castmate and also because of Pedro? Um, well, two things. One, I don't have much to compare to. This is who I am. This is the life I live in. Um, it's, um, but I think because Pam and I are together, yeah. um, the level of normalcy about it is, you know, an order of magnitude higher. Um, you know, we have been together since the show. It is something we have experienced together. Um, it's our shared experience. So um, when someone is, you know, someone recognizes me, it's usually, you know, because I'm staying next to Pam, they recognized her first. <laughs> um, you know, it's our thing. It's our thing we did together. It was our experience. It, you know, and it's we call it the show. <laughs> you know, when we refer to it, it's just, you know, we did the show. Right. Uh, and uh, being forever, being forever bound by that probably isn't, well, we know it's not a bad thing because of Pedro. We're very proud of it. We're very proud of the experience that we had. We're very proud of uh, having been there for him. Mm-hmm. And we're very proud to still try to keep his story out there. Um, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's where we live with this is that, uh, we tend to think, and I, you know, I would argue with anybody that it was, it was the most important season the real world had. And I think John Murray will, it's the proudest work he's ever done as well. Uh, John Murray, the producer of the real world. Um, why do you think it is that, I don't know if you have insight on this, but I mean, over those, you know, the 20 odd years since then, so much has changed in media and television. And even uh, with the way John Murray produces, and I was wondering why, given that that is his most important work, maybe why he he took a different turn. Um, when you say took a different turn, that do you mean reality TV getting? Yeah. Uh, well, just dollars. Yes and no. I'll I'll I'm talking. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a conversation that John had with us, which I think he probably wouldn't mind. Um, he and Mary Alice Bunham, who passed away a number of years ago, she is the um, Bunham part of Bunham Murray. Um, so he and Mary Alice, had, you know, they got into the real world to, I don't know if this story's been told, but a lot of people think they're basing it on this PBS show called American Family, which is a documentary about American families, uh, one American family. And uh, But what happened was John and Mary Alice come from a soap opera background, and they wanted to do a soap opera for MTV. And uh, MTV was down with that. But then when they looked at the budget, they said, yeah, we can't do that. That's just way we don't have anywhere near that money. So they began with trying to eliminate writers. <laughs> it's like, what if we take writers out of the budget and they just improvise? Right. And it's like, yeah, still too much money. And then they knocked it down one more level. Like, OK, what if we don't do actors improvising? <laughs> what if we just have real people? And that's how it accidentally happened. Right. Um, so it was it was kind of this weird, happy accident that got them there. Uh, then they, you know, they wanted to do, you know, they were doing these documentaries and they were making it interesting. But I think by around, I don't know, the seventh or eighth season, 
I mean, John had said, because it's really, really hard to get an honest cast anymore. <laughs> and he meant that, like, yeah, hey, 22-year-old, six-foot blonde guy who lives in Los Angeles and just tends bar. <laughs> you you really, really have no other aspirations? Like, what do you want to do with your life here in Hollywood? Like, nope, I just, I'm just hanging, man. Really, so you don't... Nothing, and I'm just going to throw it out there, in the entertainment business at all? No, 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 no. Um, so I think after a while, just the show got too popular that, you know, they tried really, really hard. And if you look at each, if you look at the cast, they just still do try really hard to get, we'll call them real people. Just, just honest to goodness people who think it might be fun or actually want to have some kind of, you know, some kind of experience. But um, with the folks coming at them, um, it seemed that they did. I think one would just kind of throw up their hands and say, "Okay, let's let's do what we can with what we got." Um, so I'm not I'm not putting the entire blame on the world at large. Um, you know, John and Mary Ellis could have always have walked away from it, but I don't think they wanted to. I think within within what they do, um, they still do amazing reality TV, um, and there the possibility for amazing reality TV still exists. You can't you can't manufacture it. As much as people might think putting Pedro Zamora on the show was something manufactured, they didn't know what would happen. They didn't know what an extraordinary experience it would be. So sometimes it's actually just sitting in the field waiting for lightning to strike. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Are you a person that, even though you don't watch the real world, are you a person that is a consumer of reality TV at all? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was about to say, aren't we all? Don't we all watch some of it? Uh, <laughs> We love and I've always loved Project Runway, and yeah. I'll, I'll even say that was even before Buna Murray took over Project Runway. Um, we love Top Chef. Um, we spent we spent a very long time watching Survivor. Uh, Survivor is interesting because Survivor was kind of the first offshoot of the real world that became an honest to goodness game show. Right. Um, yeah, Big Brother. I think before that, but we were really really interested in Survivor. Uh, just you know for for that factor because. You know, Susie, you've been on TV and you know how you know the Frankenstein monster that is a reality TV show and you can watch it and look at it and go, yeah, that's camera bullshit. That's not really <laughs> happening, happening like, yeah, those seven people just didn't get into that restaurant and walk past that velvet rope. That's bullshit. That's because the cameras are there. You, just, you can smell it. You can feel it. So, you know, and also watching like no watching a show and saying like, OK, that's an editing. You know, that's that's yeah. editing. That didn't really happen like that. Like it happened, but they're kind of covering with editing. It's like those that guy's wearing four different shirts in the course of one conversation. <laughs> right. That's months. You know, well, it's, it's that's part yeah, of why I do this the, these type of interviews because I love different reality TV shows, but I feel like it's important for the viewer to be discerning or at least at least have an awareness of like there's more to the story, and that way you can just watch with some sense of insight. Um, but like a lot of the shows that you're mentioning, like Top Chef, Project Runway have to do with people exploring their career, which you actually did on your show. And we watched you budding, uh, and going on meetings and, and drawing. And then you continue to do that. Tell me about it. 
It was, it was, yeah. I mean, I was a, I was a broke cartoonist when I did I the mean, show. It's one of the reasons why I did the hustling. show. Yeah, that was, I think, honestly, at the end of the day, why this kind of quasi-boring white guy got on the show was because um, they were interested in me doing just that. You know, like, you don't see too many cartoonists. And also, I, I just flopped out. I just, um, I had a development deal with a, uh, with a uh, newspaper syndicate uh, prior to, you know, that the year before. And I got dropped from my contract. So I was, I had moved back in with my mom and dad. Um you know, I was I was at the end of my rope. So going in the real world was a lifeline. And I told them, like, no, man, I'm going to look for work. <laughs> yeah. like, that's six months without rent and a chance to be around, you know, in San Francisco, which, you know, I, it was just it was it was things I wanted to do. I said, I'll go to the newspapers. I'll go to the free weeklies. I'll look for illustration work. There's things I want to do. Yeah. Uh, was it strange, though, to do that um, publicly? Uh, no, I think for me that becomes... I mean, again, Susie, you know the drill. We're all we are not we are not private people, are we? <laughs> well, are I'm we? sure not. No, I mean, but you're anyone... more normal. I feel like you're a normal human being. No, I think I'm just as narcissistic as <laughs> a, a good a good quarter of the people on the show. You have to be you have to be a little bit self important. You have to be a little bit. I'm comfortable getting up on the stage and having people look at me. Yeah. Um, I, it, 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 I think if I was all calculated about that, it was like, well, yeah, I'll go on job interviews, but I might get more job interviews because I say like, hey, I'm bringing the real world cameras along. Would you? I mean, honestly, the production told me not to say that. Like they, they actually instructed me and I didn't. It was, but it kind of worked out to my benefit in the way that I would make these calls. If they had any kind of interest, we were setting up a meeting for me to go someplace. Then production had to call, introduce themselves, explain what they were doing, and then we'd have the meeting. I think, I don't think I was able to book meetings because of it, but I was probably able to keep all the meetings because of it. Yeah. Like, Holy shit, the real world's coming here. Okay, I got to go get a haircut and put on my good suit. And, <laughs> you know, MTV's coming, guys. MTV's coming. Right. Uh, so, you know, whether I, I got a gig or not, and a lot of it, you know, some of it sometimes was, oh, I don't know, maybe some folks, it was pretty fabricated because a lot of what I do is I, I mail shit in. I mail it in. They read it. If they like it, they ask for more. They don't care to meet me. But oh, because I was in San Francisco and I said, you guys are local. I'd love to come by and just like meet you if you have any interest. And, you know, so I was OK putting my stuff out there. I also. <laughs> I also felt that, in, in, you know, that was sort of just, I told you, one of these sort of, you know, skeezier things I was doing was hoping that, I don't know, maybe someone will see my work watching the television show and go, yeah, I want to hire that guy. Well, you know, to even think of it as skeezy is so weird in this uh, world now because that's what everyone's <laughs> doing. It's like branding and Instagram and post this and that just in the hope that, like, Hey, notice me, notice me. But like you, you were like the pioneer of it. <laughs> of trying to work it. Yes. Yeah. I was I was the first dirtbag through the door who saw this as an opportunity <laughs> to do something with it. Yes. Well, it clearly worked out. So uh let's hear about Hilo, sir. Yeah. What in yeah, the let's... heck? What's that? I'm like, what in the heck, Mr. Bestseller? Come on. <laughs> well, yeah, one can one can actually draw I was going to say a straight line, but a very, very curved line from <laughs> my experience in the real world to doing this book series on uh, in a lot of ways. Um, way back when I wanted to do comic strips, and actually that's what I wanted to do when I was on the show way yeah. back when. Uh, 
you know, uh, for those of our, our younger listeners, uh, <laughs> comic strips are these things that appeared in newspapers. And newspapers are like iPads made out of paper, <laughs> which have current events on them. Oh you God. may have heard of these things. Uh, oh, it's so sad. I, I wanted to do a comic strip, which is comic strips are kind of like they're they're all ages affairs. They're not they're not for grownups, not for kids or for everybody. Um, and then uh, over the and I. Over the course of my 23 years since then, I, I got a syndicated comic strip. I did an animate series. I wrote superhero comics for about 10 years. Um, then I, uh, you know, I developed live action TV for a while. Nothing of which got on the air, but, you know, pays okay. Yeah. Uh, which sort of brought me full circle to my son, uh, who's 11 now, but, uh, you know, four years back when he was seven. He was taking a big interest in superheroes and wanted to read some of my comics. Dad, can I read some of your superhero comics? And, you know, can I read some of your Batman comics? And I had to tell him, no, you may not. <laughs> right. Because my, well, I think, you know, even non-comic readers, you've probably heard about that. At some point, superhero comics got dark and gritty and edgy. So I was one of the schmucks who did that. I spent 10 years <laughs> of making comic books very serious and dark and edgy and gritty. Um and then it came back to bite me in the ass because my son couldn't right. read any of my comics. <laughs> right. Dark and edgy and gritty and we're for teenagers and grown-ups. Yeah. Uh, so I got him this I got him this series that uh, I knew I loved. It was one called Bone, which is by this terrific cartoonist named Jeff Smith. Um, it's incredibly popular. It's got millions of copies in print. And my son just went apeshit. Just bananas loved it. Um, and I'm to know Jeff Smith. He's a friend of mine. So I, I told Jeff that my son just went apeshit bananas for bone. <laughs> and then Jeff sent us two gigantic boxes of bone merchandise. Oh my God. He sent his T-shirts and action figures and stuffed animals and hats. And my son became a bone super fan. Right. Um, and I actually got jealous. Oh. The catalyst for this was, was, was spite and jealous friend of mine. <laughs> Come on. Who had, who had stolen my son's love and I was going to win it back. So right there, was, it was where it started that I kind of went full circle that when I began as a cartoonist, I was doing kind of all stuff, stuff for everybody. So um, that's where Hilo came from. I, I wanted to do a book that I thought, you know, a comic book, a full on, just silly, cartoony, looks like a comic strip, but is actually kind of an action adventure like a superhero book, comic series for my son. Did you uh, win back his love? Yeah, he loved it right out of the gate. That was like really that was that was that was fun. That's uh, awesome. He's perfectly happy to answer the question to anyone like, "Do you like Bone or Hilo better?" And he'll even say like, "Well, I like Hilo because my dad does it." Oh <laughs> Which man! Is, yeah, so it's it's nice. That's and then, the best. And my daughter's gotten in on the action as well. Um, so she, for the, the second book, she was pitching that I put a cat in the book. Over and over again, uh, she would pitch every day. Like, Dad, did you put a cat in the new Hilo book yet? I, I love think that. Much better if you put a cat in the book. <laughs> and it did. It actually turned out to be a real breakout character. She was very, very popular. It was a, it was a, this anthropomorphic cat. I mean, a cat that walks around like a person. Her name is Polly. She does magic, and she became one of the most popular characters. So my daughter regularly now pitches ideas to me. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they have good ideas, these kids of yours. They're okay. They come from good stock. <laughs> they Their mom's a genius, so it, it helps out. <laughs> Tell me how Pam is. Pam's excellent. Pam is a, and I should preface this, when I say Pam's a genius, I know people say that about yeah. people. Like, oh, 
Oh, they're they're just a genius. I actually mean by the numbers, like when you run the numbers and stuff. <laughs> so Pam uh, was taking college classes at 14. She's oh Phi God. Beta Kappa, magna cum laude from Harvard. Uh, she uh, went to University of California, San Francisco Medical School. She's a full professor at, at UCSF right now. And uh, so she's an MD. She's a doctor. She's a doctor of internal medicine. So she's her everybody doc, the one you go to see when you're sick. Um, and she's also a researcher. She uh, fights big tobacco. Wow, it's, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, for, for um, gosh, almost like 10 years now. Wow. She, uh, yeah, so right now her biggest focus is she's fighting e-cigarettes. Um, oh. Yeah, she was one of, these first, one of the first people that when e-cigarettes first came out, and the first thing they said about them was that e-cigarettes or vaping, uh, they, are, they are safer than uh, smoking cigarettes. Right. And that was one of the first people saying, like, yeah, how do you know that? <laughs> it's like, oh, because it has to be. Like, well, that's how research works. <laughs> so there's actually been no research that e-cigarette vaping is any better for us than tobacco. I mean, yes, in theory, burning up leaves full of nicotine and breathing them into your lungs is terrible. And But breathing up this heated water filled with chemicals and nicotine Maybe it's better, but we don't know. There's no research, nothing. So here's the thing: you guys are making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> this is that's the only trouble with your incredible success. We've got a lot of years on you, though. You've got a lot of time to <laughs> Not grow. Not that many, sadly. No, no, a lot, a lot, and 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 y'all are doing fine. Again, you know, I've done always what I've always done, which is like I make things up and I draw them, and Pam. You know, has always been three heads smarter than everybody else in any ten rooms. So this was this was always who we were always going to be. I mean, that was that was the one very interesting thing that that Mary Ellis had always told us, and John Murray had told us, and also George Vashore and Bob Fisher, who were the directors on our season. Um, what George had told me way back when, and this is when I don't think George particularly liked me because I I was just too much of a smart ass. Who knew how TV worked and it took a while for I think to come around to even enjoy my company. But George told me a long time ago that you know the real world will open doors for you, but you still have to have the ability to walk through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back then he said like I don't think, and I think he was like uh, I think he was referring to like Eric Nice. He said I don't think we like he said we might have just helped Eric speed the plow a little bit, but he was always gonna he was always gonna be that guy. He said, yeah, he was, he was always gonna be a model and host and like an amiable yeah, amiable dude. Um, so. I think I, I I don't think we are making anybody look bad. <laughs> no, you're doing great, and and you give us something to aspire to, and I'm proud to have you among the alum. Um, but uh, people would be mad at me if I didn't ask about the your other cast members. So, do you have yeah. anything to say about your original cast? Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> there's a is there's uh, there's Corey. Um, Corey, who in uh, in hindsight, she was 20 when she did the show, which now is kind of the norm. Yeah. Uh, back then, I mean, I was a, I was a worldly 24 years old and looking at Corey doing the show. Who Corey had not actually seen the show. Oh wow. Corey was probably one of the last honest people to do the show, and uh, it was incredibly hard for her. But uh, she has grown into an incredible woman. She's married. She's got two kiddos. Um, she's still a friend. She was a bridesmaid at our wedding. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, recently, I just saw, okay, so Mohammed, Pam, and I have been bad in the sense <laughs> that Mo lives here in the city, 
We and we have not gotten together in a decade. That's not okay. And it, no, it's just, and it's just pure complacency. It had nothing to do with nothing. We, you know, every every like twice a year, say, like, okay, we're gonna do this now. We're gonna do this now. We're going out. We're gonna do this thing, and then some crap ha- happens. Somebody's kid gets sick, and we stop. And so, I hadn't seen Mo in like ten years, and he just came to. So the third Hilo book came out a couple of weeks ago, and Mo and his son came to uh, came into the book signing. Totally oh surprised. Oh my god, that is so awesome! Uh, no, no, and it was it was just really you know we were I all getting love that. kind of choked up. Oh. Um, he is an amazing man, an amazing person, and none of that has changed. Um, mm. That's Everybody really else, I can't really tell you too much about. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's just like real life. You, you, you leave know. high school, and some people you you stay connected with, and others you don't. Yeah, some you live with and have children with. You know, just <laughs> right. See, and I you, go for the crew members. That's I was my thing. Say, you, you came home with a door prize as well, didn't you? <laughs> right, did. right. Poor guy. I sure oh, did. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I'm sure life is terrible for him. I've seen. <laughs> I, I, seeing pictures of both of you, you both did fine. You both, <laughs> you're both beautiful people who made a beautiful person. So, oh, thank congrats you. on that. Well, and congrats to you on both the family and also Hilo, which I hope everybody buys because I mean, this, that's a really special thing that you created, and I hope you just keep making more. Oh well, thanks. Yeah, no, there's there's, there's plenty more. There's there's six in this series, and I'm I finished the uh, first three are out. And uh, next three come out one a year until I'm done. And um, I must tell everyone that when you make things for your kids and your kids like it and then other kids like it, it's better (laughs) than drugs. It's really – it's like the best recovery program in the whole wide world. Like. You want to you want to know like what it is to feel stoned? Go to a school and have three hundred children scream when you you get up on stage. Which I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see this part coming and uh it's it's and yeah it's because they read the book and that's uh, so cool no cartoonists don't get this gig as well so <laughs> you know, usually we're like you know we're, we're in our rooms and we draw and we send crap out there and that's it but actually having to get a chance to like meet the people who read the books and they're excited and shooting stuff it's just Honestly, better than drugs. I highly oh, recommend. That's it. so special. I'm gonna uh, say goodbye to the audience, and then you stay on, and I'm gonna say goodbye to you properly. Everybody, say thanks to Judd on Twitter. What's your handle, Judd? Uh, it's Judd Winnick. Go to Judd. You can Winnick find me there. Twitter. Yeah. Come find me on Facebook. Uh, I just recently filled up with friends, so go to the fan page. Find it's Judd Winnick's Pillow Fort on Facebook. So come sign up there. Everything's everything's the same. And thank you guys so much for listening and tune in next week. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.